0: Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Father God, we just we thank you for you speaking to us. Yeah. Lord, I pray that you would speak through Ben that his words would go into our heart from you that you would change our hearts, that we would go out different to how we came in, and Lord, that we would be people who affect the world around us because of what you're putting into us. Lord, will you bless Ben as he speaks? Will you just allow him to use the right words to speak into our hearts in the right way? Thank you for Ben. We thank you for what you're saying to us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Julian. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so we are in this series, which really um, is an identity. I think Julian picked it out last week. We, we actually spoke, um, Julian and myself, Um, about a year ago now and said we need to do a series at some point about identity, about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be um, a child of God. Because there's so much stuff in the Bible that declares, you know, this is who you are. This is who you are. And when we get that deep inside us, when we get that, then out from that, we we live. We live for Christ. We represent him. And so Julian um, kicked us off last week with the, that amazing um, verse from First uh, Peter 2, which says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, and that is who you are. That is who you are, and what we're attempting to do over this series, we're, attempting, we're going to go from, as Je, uh, Julian started us off in, G- in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to go all the way from, from Genesis to the end of the Bible, kind of unpacking that thing. What does it mean that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession? And so we looked at last week, just kind of a brief recap, that God created and creates and sustains everything. He made all things. He he created the grass. He created the trees. He created the birds. He created the animals. He created stars. He created um, uh, nebulas and and comets and all that kind of stuff. He created everything. But the pinnacle of creation is you, is is humanity. He created it. And it says in in Genesis chapter 1, it says, then God, after making all of these things, it said, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And what we see is that, that God creates all this stuff and he, he then makes this, this garden in this place called Eden, this paradise, and he places man in there. And, and, and what, what, what the Bible tells us is that, and part of us being this royal priesthood, is that you are not an accident. You are not an accident, God. It tells us in Jeremiah that God foreknew you. As you were being knitted together in your mother's womb, God knew you. He knew what color of your skin was going to be. He knew and he planned what eyes you were going to have, what hair you were going to have, what, what things you would like and what things you didn't like. He, 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 knew, he knew every single thing about you. He planned it. You're not a mistake. And he loves that about you. He loves that about you. A, it goes on, and it says in Genesis 2, it says, this is my, my, um, my interpretation, it says, uh, Yahweh caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took, that's God, took one of his sides and closed it up and placed it with flesh. And the side that Yahweh had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore the man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And now... Many of you, if you read this, this this verse, if you look this up in your Bibles, there's one word in particular that might slightly be different in most translations. Which I've purposely put in here. Anyone got that? Anyone know what that might be? Rib, rib yes, rib. What well are Yes, rib. Most most translations they say rib, and basically it, it what 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 the word is. The word is this um, word, um, sila. Uh, and, and it, means, it, mean, it means it does mean side, but basically what a lot of translations they've got done is, is they've gone, well, what's on the side of a person? Well, your ribs are on the side, so that's what we're going to go with, ribs. But actually, what I love, I think when we talk about ribs, we kind of miss, miss what the, the imagery of what the Bible writers are trying to get here, because what they're saying is that, that God makes man. He makes humanity, and that fully images him that fully images, that represents him. And then what he does is he takes one side of that man and he makes a woman. And then immediately the man and the woman come together. And what, what the picture of is the fact that, yes, marriage, that we together represent God. We image God fully Together in marriage, that's because a marriage is a picture of that, but actually what it also is a picture of is that humanity as a whole, we can, you can, you can go to your work, you can go to, into your family, you can go to wherever you spend your time, and you can image God, you can represent God, you can share about God to your neighbors, but we are called to be greater than that. And actually when we are together, when we're corporately together, how much more do we represent the goodness of God? That's why I love, that's why, that's why I love the church and that's what, what the church is designed to be. See, we look in Revelation and we don't see hundreds of thousands of people worshiping God who all look the same. We see a church made up of hundreds of thousands of people who are black, who are white, who are Asian, who are South American, who are North American, who are young, who are old, who are, who are from, from different social classes, because that's what the church should be. It should be. She should be made up of different people from different backgrounds, all different social class, because what that does is when, when we are together, we fully represent the goodness of God. Because ultimately, what we're designed to be, what we're designed to do as as people, we have been ordained as priests. If you're a Christian, you are ordained as a priest. And what a priest does, a priest, if you think of a priest in in olden days, the priest's job was was to go and represent God to the people. You were to go and represent God to the people, so you were to, you were to have your image, you were to, to image, you were to reflect what God was like to the people around you. And then also what they got to do is they were the ones who got to, go to, got to represent the people to God. They got to, they got to come into God's presence. And see, so as we go through this story of the Bible, what we see is that we are called a priesthood, which means that you are called to go and represent God to your neighbors, that you're called to go and pray for, you're called to go and share the gospel, you're called to to live lives that are different to the world around you. But also you have the privilege of coming in to the Father's throne room and spending time with him. You see, it says, it says in Genesis 1, it says that, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue. And I think Julian said last week, no, subdue, that kind of word, we don't kind of like that kind of word. But it basically just means rule over the world. And you see, what it is, what this kind of dual thing is, that we are, we're priests, we represent God, we pray for others, we represent God to the nations, but also we can get into God's presence but also, we are, we are royal. We are royal. We are, we are rulers. As, as um, C.S. Lewis writes in Narnia, you know, he, calls, he doesn't just say, um, you no, know, Peter, or Edmund, or Susan, or who's the other one called? Lucy. He, he, he doesn't just say that, does he? What does Aslan call them? Sons of Andor's Yes. Anything else? What does he call them? Yes. He says... King. He says, King Peter, doesn't he? I mean, it's just, just a kid. He's just a kid. And he says, King Peter, Queen Susan. He, he's called, he makes them royalty. In the world, they were just nobodies. They were, they were children who are running from a war, living far away from their parents. But when they came into the presence of the lion, they are made kings and queens. And, and, and so that's what we are. We are, we are. we are royalty. You are royalty. And actually what Jesus says is that we are to be royalty that doesn't just, doesn't reign like the world reigns, that we lord it over and we push people down to bring ourselves up. Actually, we are called to be a royalty. We are called to be people that uses our talents, uses our gifts, uses, a, uses the time that we have to bless and to serve those around us. You see, we are called to love creation, to love people. Not worship them, but we love them because God loves them. We are called not to worship the things around us. We're not called to worship the planet, but we're called to, to, do, to do what we can to, to love it because God loves it and God has called us to steward it. And actually, that was easy for about a chapter and a bit of Genesis you know, people did everything. They lived in this paradise, didn't they? And then it all went wrong. They started to question, question, "Who is God? Does he really love me? Does he really have the best for me? Ultimately, they forgot who their identity was. They lost their image. They, 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 they failed to represent God as he had called them to represent him too. And we call that the fall. You know, paradise was lost. But the amazing thing is, even though they failed, even though they failed to remember who they were, God didn't forget them. And God comes and he says, I will make things right. I'm going to send one who's going to restore your image, who's going to tell you who you are, who's going to give you the identity of a royal priest. And he would be a king. Not just any king, but he would be the king of kings. And he would be a priest, but not just any priest. He would be the great high priest. But one more thing, he would be the ultimate sacrifice as well. You see, and then time goes on, time goes on, and generation comes and generation goes, and eventually we come to this couple that God chooses, this couple, Abraham and Sarai, who he he takes from the, 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 the Earl of the Chaldeans in kind of Iraq now, and he sets them out, he brings them to a new place. And not only does he bring them to a new place, but he re-identifies them. He gives them new names. He says, "Abraham, I call you Abraham. Sarai, I call you Sarah. And what we see is that, that what God says is that you are going to you are gonna be a light to the world. You are going to bless the nations. And we can look at that and quite easily, and we should say, well, yes. They did that, they were to be that, because their great, 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 how many great, great, great's grandchild was Jesus, and he blessed the entire world. He died for the entire world. But in doing that, though, that's where we should end up, and we're wrong if we don't end up there, by doing that, we can miss the thing that actually, Abraham and Sarah, the Israelite people that came from them, they were called in their own right to be a light to the nations to be a light to those around them. And the reason and the way that they were to do that is by having their identity as the people of Yahweh, as the people of God. And when they did that, when they were that, they blessed the nations around them. And you see it. If you've ever kind of done a, a, a study um, into you know, the, the laws of the Bible, um, you know, you need to be dedicated, but if you do the study into the laws of the Bible, you know, you look at, look at the laws of the Bible, you will see, actually, that the laws that appear in the Levitical laws, they are very different to the laws of the Babylonians, of the Assyrians, of the Egyptians. The, 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 the fact that they, they care for the poor, that they care for, for, for people who, are, who, who have nothing, they care for the widow, they care for the, for the orphan. There are things that the rest of the world at that time cared nothing about. And the reason why God's people had that in their law is because God wanted them to be a blessing to the world around them. And let me say, if that was true for them, how much more true is it for us? How much more true is it for us that, that, as, that as we root ourselves in Jesus and who he is, that actually we start to represent, we reflect the goodness of God to the surrounding world. You see, we don't bless the world by becoming more like the world, do we? We don't bless the world by by taking on their beliefs, what they think is right. And actually, that can be really hard. It could be really, really hard. But um And and we can't also rely on the fact that we have read the Bible. We can't rely on the fact that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because ultimately, things tend to drift apart. Things tend to decay. That's the way the world is. And so what we cannot say is, I'm okay. I know what scripture says. You know, I read the whole, but I did a Bible in a year once. I'm okay. I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit in 2001. Well, how about yesterday? Well, no, I did it in 2001. I'm set now for life. No, we need to be a people who are thirsty for God, thirsty for his Holy Spirit today, tomorrow, next week, next month. And as we do that, as we meditate on Scripture and we let that form our mind, form what we believe, we, be, we reflect the world. We reflect to the world the true God. Uh, Terry Virgo, who uh, was 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 the guy um, who 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 set up our movement of churches, uh, he he's um, what Andy Andy called him this week called him an older statesman. Um, he's into into his is it into his 80s, um, and recently he's he started to become a bit more vocal. And one of the things that he's got he's become really vocal about is the presence of God. The presence of God. And, and, and the thing is that one of the things that he, he's, been, he's been concerned about, one of the things he's been concerned about is that these churches that he, he once helped start, that he once over, oversaw, they, they have started to, to say, oh, we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. And many aren't saying we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore, but many are saying, right, okay, we're not pursuing him. You know, you, you can make a blind in the sand and say, well, I don't want to pursue God today. But actually, more often than not, what we do is we just kind of fall into... A habit of, oh, well, well, you know, I don't need to, I'm not going to step out this week. I'm not going to pray this morning. And as we do that, we, we just slowly drift away. And hit one of his passions at the moment is, is to call, call back the church. Say, no, church, be thirsty for his presence. Because when we're thirsty for his presence, that changes who we are. That changes what we're to be. That changes how we reflect the true God to the world. You remember, if you were, was anyone? Did anyone have a WJD bracelet as a as a kid or a teenager? Well, on John, huh? It's it's not that. It was cool at the time. Come on. <laughs> we thought you were. You you could get you could get like you could get like um uh. uh you get fabric ones that were all one color. You get multicolored ones. You get beads. You get wooden ones. You know, whatever suited you. Um, but the thing, thing, thing was, it said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And the idea was meant to be that you were walking along and then you hit a stumbling block. What am I meant to do in this situation in my life? And then somehow you'd look at your wrist and go, WWJD, what would Jesus do in this situation? And now, cheesy or not, but that's, that, that's, that's the idea. And actually that... If we're not spending time in his presence, if we're not spending time in scripture, we can say, what would Jesus do? And the truth is, we have no clue because we don't know what Jesus is like. But if we're spending time in Jesus' presence, whatever you situation you come to, because I don't know about you, but you could look at WWG, what did Jesus do? And you go, well, Jesus was never me. Jesus never had to go to the school that I went to. Jesus never had the job I had. Jesus never had this neighbor like I did. Okay? And we can kind of miss the point rather than going, okay. Well, if Jesus was me in this situation, how do I think He would respond? How, and if we're we were only doing giving our best guess, if we're not spending time in His presence. So, Abraham and Sarah. Full. We come to Abraham and Sarah. Are they the promised ones? Are they the ones who are going to make everything right? No. No, quite simply, no. Okay, you know they—they're they, not spotless. They're not pure. You know they do—they do, they do some awful things if you read read, read their story. Um, and actually, so do all the saints in in the old in the scriptures. Um, but these guys they, 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 they i mean Abraham. I mean, it, twice he goes to a foreign land and says, "All right, all right, my love." Um, right. We, they, these these guys are scary. And um they might like to marry you, and so to do that, they're going to have to kill me. So let's skip that bit and just say, right, you're not married. We're not married. okay? And twice, she's taken on. She's taken into a, into a king's harem, and, and God steps in and saves her. And actually, what God does amazingly is, even though they mess this up, even though Abraham messes this up, each time they're blessed. They're given loads of. They're given. they given gold in, in in stuff. And that's not an incentive to mess up, and God will sort you out. That's just to you know, sell your wife to someone else, and um and see what happens. Um. But that, that that's just God's goodness. And they 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 take an Egyptian slave as a slave, and they, they abuse her. You know, they, they, when, when things aren't going right in their life, they, they decide as a couple that they're going to rape this, this Egyptian and hopefully that God will bless that. And that's what God wanted them to do. They to make some awful decisions. But during their lives, actually they do meet one who does remind us of someone to come, who does remind us of someone to come, a priest king, a priest king called Melchizedek. And in Genesis 14, we meet this priest king. And what happens is is that Abraham, he's living in Canaan, which is modern day Israel, and he he hears words that his brother's son, Lot, has been captured, that this Persian king has come across and they've killed and they've they've, um, attacked and they've stolen, they've kidnapped, a load of people from this region called Sodom and Gomorrah, which is where Lot and his family live. And Lot has been taken captive. So Abraham decides, right, I'm going to raise an army, I'm going to take on this Persian king and his his allies, and I'm going to win back my stupid nephew. I don't know whether you think stupid nephew, but I would. Um, And so he does, he goes, and miraculously, his army beats this Persian king. And it says this, it says, after, after his Abraham's return from the defeat of this guy, who's a Persian king, um, who, who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shivra, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So this, 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 this priest king, Melchizedek, king of Salem, which means peace, which later on down the road gets... Added to it Jerusalem, city of peace, he comes out to, to Abraham, and he is he, way before the Levitical priest line, way before there was Moses and, and, and all that. This guy is called a priest of God most high. And and Abraham must look at him and he, he must see something special. He must see something godly about this man. Because he comes to this guy, he comes to this Melchizedek, and he presents to him a tenth. He presents to 10%. He, presents, he gives to him this, 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 this sum of money to this guy, Melchizedek. He, he generously, he didn't have to, he didn't have to give it. he doesn't give the king of Sodom anything, but he comes and he gives, he gives this priest king, Melchizedek, uh, a, a, a vast sum of the spoils from the, from the victory. And what we see here is actually Abraham gets something right here. What we see here is that well, we worship an incredibly generous God, an insanely generous God. And so when we find our image in God, one of the things that happens is, is we can't help but be generous too. And so we kind of think, well, why would Abraham just give away a load of money? You know, he's got men, he's got people who are expecting spoils from this raid and that Abraham would have to pay and to give them that. So why would he, why would he give um, some of his precious loot to this stranger? It's because when you reflect God, when you understand who God is, you become generous. Generosity isn't something that we beat ourselves up about and go, ah, oh, the youth are doing another sponsored walk. I suppose I could throw them a few, few quid. I mean, Isaac's being quiet. I really don't like Isaac's voice, so I'm going to give him loads of money for that. You know, it, it's not like that. Actually, what happens, what you find is that you spend time as you root yourself in Christ, you become like Christ who is generous. And so you want to give. And you see, where, where, what Abraham is doing here, he, he's trusting God with his finances He's trusting God with his future. He's trusting God with, with 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 everything that's going on in his life. And that's something that we can really struggle with, can't we? We can really struggle with, can't we? It might, you might be really, you may be really good at being generous, but maybe there's other things that you really struggle to, to trust God with. You know, and and actually, that's okay. That's okay. And what we what we see in the in the next um, few verses or whatever is that that actually Abraham he is able to represent God with his generosity, and then he has the most colossal fail by saying God's promised us a child, Sarah, you're never going to get pregnant. Let's let's have a child through Hagar. No. And how we can say Abraham, what an idiot. You know, Peter on the road to, to Jerusalem, he goes, "You are the Christ, the chosen one." Highest moment of his life. Jesus goes, "Yes, you didn't. You, you that was revealed to you by God Most High. Well done, Peter." And then Jesus says, "This is the plan. This is what's going to happen." He goes, "No, Jesus, that's not what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here." He goes from colossal highest moment of his life to lowest moment of life, as Jesus saying again, "Get behind me, Satan." You know, it's okay. Okay. It's okay to be sorted in some areas, to be actually, um, to be, um, and it's part of the human walk to actually in areas, some areas of our life, we will reflect God perfectly. Well, not perfectly, but really well. In other areas, we fall flat on our face and we will continue to do that until we meet him in paradise. But let me say, let me say, whether you succeed in something or whether you fall flat on your face, God is still good. God is still good. So we we see we see. Okay, you know. Remember, Abraham sells Sarah into slavery, and then and then um and then they the king has a dream and says, "Go back, go back to your husband. Why didn't you not tell me you were married? I'm going to get cursed by God if if, if you don't go back to your husband." And, and, And 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 from that they take a load of plunder basically from Egypt. And and, and so, even though they failed, God was still good. Even though they decided that they were going to work things down a natural route and try and have children through Hagar, actually, God was still good. And He comes to Sarah and He says, You will conceive. And she trusted and believed, and she did conceive. And she had a child, even when she was really, really, really old. See, we are unfaithful, He is still always faithful as Tommy brought in that, in that word. So part of that was the fact that actually that even when we mess up, his promises are still good. Yes. He doesn't say, right, I promised that for you, but now you've stuffed up. Uh, you can forget about that now. No, he is still good. And so Abraham, Abraham messes up, but they get another, they get a child. They get the child with a the promise. They get Isaac. And then God comes, doesn't he? God comes and he says, I want you to give up Isaac for me. I want you to sacrifice Isaac to me. And the question we're, we're left with is Will Abraham trust God? Isaac is the promised one. God said he is the one that this, the seed is going to be from, that, you know, that ultimately Jesus is going to be born from. Well, he can't do that if he's dead. So is Abraham going to trust that God knows what he's doing, trust that God is good, trust that his promises are still okay, or is he going to start thinking, well, ah, oh, I've messed up. Maybe God's going to use someone else. Maybe God's not good. Maybe God doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe he's going to let bad things happen to me, and, 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 and it's not good for me to go through these things. Well, actually, this time, Abraham, he gets the gold star. He, he takes Isaac up Mount Moriah, doesn't he? And they're there at the top of Mount Moriah and Isaac lies down and Abraham draws the knife to go and um, kill Isaac. And just as he's going to, the Lord screams out, Abraham, no, no, now I trust you. Now I know that you trust me. And you know what? God may not ask you to kill anyone. He won't ask you to kill anyone. Let's be straight there. Let's not go in the maze. Um, you know, he, he won't ask you to kill your children. Okay, you know, But he may ask you to sacrifice your desires for them, sacrifice your ambitions for them, sacrifice your ambitions for your legacy, your future. You know, not quite as much bloodshed, but still, it could be just as painful. And what happens is, is that as God sh- shouts out, no, and Abraham listens to God, what happens is, is there's, there's a ram, isn't there, that's caught in a thicket. There's a ram caught in a thicket, which they, which they then sacrifice as worship to God. And, and, then, and then if you read the book of Genesis, you've almost got like the narrator kind of steps in and brings you to the sideline and just kind of speaks over it. And he goes, this is why that place is called, in, in Hebrew, um, Yahweh Yareel, or Anglican, Anglican version, Jehovah Jireh. The, on the mountain of the Lord, on the, mountain, on the mountain, the Lord will provide. And that's such a thing for us to, us to grasp, that God provides, that we can, that you can trust in Him. And ultimately, what we see is this little sacrifice, this trust, this faith, is a point forward to another day, to, to maybe even the same mountain of a future sacrifice where like Melchizedek who comes with bread and wine, Jesus comes with bread and wine. And he holds this bread and wine and he declares, this bread is my body which is broken for you and this wine is my blood which is spilt For you. This is a sacrifice that I am going to make, that my body is going to to make, that will make a way back for you. With this sacrifice, I am reclaiming you. I am buying you. I am re-identifying you as mine. In Hebrews 7, it says, For it is clear that our Lord descended, that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests, and what we have said is even more clear. If another priest like, unless another priest like Melchizedek appears, who has become a, has become a priest not on the basis of, religion, of regulations as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life, For it is declared, you, as Jesus, are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulations is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. You see, Jesus was Judah. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah, which was the kingly tribe. He wasn't from the priestly tribe, but because... Hebrews says, because he died and death did not defeat him, he is ordained as the great high priest. He is, he, is, he is not a priest in the order of Levi, but he is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. See, Jesus, Jesus came and his sacrifice is a sacrifice that was better than any sacrifice that was beforehand. The priests would come and they create sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, and, and it would never ever fully cleanse you. You'd have to keep going. The priests would even have to make a sacrifice for themselves and then sacrifice for the people. But Jesus' sacrifice cleanses once and for all. You are forgiven. You have a new status. You have a new identity. You see, Jesus has bought you and therefore the world doesn't get to name you. The world doesn't get to place an identity upon you. Actually, you know, that's very modern, isn't it? You don't get to name me. You don't get to say who I am. I get to say who I am. Actually, that's not true either. The Bible says you don't get to say who you are either. The Bible says that Jesus has bought you. Jesus owns you. And therefore, the Father, the Creator, Yahweh, is the only one who gets to define who you are. And he defines you as royalty. He says, you are my royal kings and queens in the, in the words of um, C.S. Lewis. You are my royal kings and queens. I have called you to rule and reign over creation Christians. Do you know, the crazy thing is, you know, Elsie Grace, the other, the other, a couple of weeks ago, um, and we pray, um, when, I, when I pray with her at nighttime, I, we, we pray this uh, most nights now. Um, she said, I really want to see angels. I was like, why not? Let's pray for that. Let's pray that you get see angels. So I pray, A, that she gets the angels, but also she would, she would um, beyond her years, be able to understand what God is doing. And, and so, but we think angels are amazing. I mean, they are pretty amazing. But you know, the Bible says that one day you will rule, you will judge the angels. You will judge the heavenly beings. He, will place, he has placed us above all creation. See, he has called his church to rule with generosity, to rule with power, to rule with, with humility, to using their gifts, talents, and, 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 and love and change, therefore, the world around them. And he identifies us as priests, commissioned to go, to go for us into the field and represent him, to worship him, to represent him to our neighbors. So that this world can be one, can see what the true living God was like. <clears throat> and finally, we get, to, we get to Abraham and Sarah, don't we? And it says at the end, in Hebrews, it unpacks a bit of what was going through their minds, really. And it says, in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith. Just think, okay, these guys did some bad stuff. These guys weren't great. But these are held up as heroes. And it says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him as God faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born the descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as, as innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. They were old they couldn't have kids, and God had said to them, you're going to have so many descendants. Look at the stars. You can't count them. Go to the beach. Count the sand. You can't do it. That's how many descendants you're going to have. God was not—God, God was able to still do it despite their circumstances. God is able to work through your circumstances, to use you, to bless those around you, to bless your family, to bless the world, to bless your co-workers around you. It says about Abraham, that by faith, when Abraham was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac your offspring shall be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively he received him back. So Abraham came to this place of Right, let's go from Hagar, let's get that way, to actually, no, I believe God is good. And God has promised to me good things, and he will do it, even if that means me killing Isaac and him raising him back to to life. And so my question for you is, do you have faith? Do you have the faith to just trust Jesus? I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. There's many, many things that we have to have faith for? Faith for our families, faith, faith for, 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 our, for our colleagues, faith for our finances, faith for, I don't know. But do you have faith in Jesus? Not that everything will work out how you planned, but actually that he is good and that what he has promised will come to pass. Um, I won't share you the, the details of this story, but just to encourage you guys, Okay. Um, we, want, we, want to be a, we want to be a people, I want us to be a people that trust God, that trust God, that trusts Him with our families, trusts Him with our children, trusts Him with our marriage, trusts Him with the future, but also that trusts Him as we step out in the Holy Spirit. See, I want us to be a people that, 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 that sees God, that hears God. I want to hear God through you, and I want to hear God through your different voices. And do you know what? Sometimes we can do that And and, and we fall flat on our face. And it's okay. You know, but I also don't want it just here. I want it out in the world as well. I got, um, a couple of weeks ago, I got a text message from a friend, Rob, who's going to come and preach after our weekend away. And um, I won't give you the details, but he basically said, I uh, I went to sleep last night, and I I asked God if he would give me a dream. And he said, I dreamt about you and your family in particular about one of your children. And whilst, whilst, whilst I was dreaming about your, your, your family, you came to my house, and this particular child did something. And the rest of his message, you can, you, it, for me, was quite funny, because it's him then trying to unpack, kind of, what on earth does this mean? Because I want to share this with you, but it makes no sense to me. Now, what for me, I found that really funny, because the act that he pictured one of my children doing was exactly the thing that at the moment that child is really struggling with. And he said, and at the end of the dream was that as, as they go through this, I am with them. So that was just amazing. See, he, he was like, I don't know what this means. This is a crazy dream. I don't know what's going on here. But for me, it was like, and for, for our child who I shared with later on that day, I was like, you see? This friend who knows nothing about you, he had this dream. God gave him a dream, actually. And God gave him that dream to say he is with you. And even though at the moment you're finding some things hard, God is with you in that. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing that Rob had that courage to tell me, but blessed us, but I want more of that. I wanna have dreams for people. I wanna see people and have prophetic words for them. Don't you? Yeah? Right, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to pray for us, because there are people here. All of us, I'm going to say, in some respect, we are struggling. Like I said, like Abraham, we might be we might be winning it at being generous, but we're selling our wife as a slave. I don't know, but we, we whatever that means, you know, we're we, we figuratively speaking, you know, you you, you 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 you're doing great in what? No, I love my wife, and she. She has been away a bit this week, but that was, <laughs> yeah, let's, 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 stop. <laughs> um, there, there's, some thi- there's some things that we, we that, ho- that you will be, you'll be doing good, great in, I'm sure, but there'll be other things that you're really struggling with. Maybe you're thinking I'm struggling with anything, everything, spiritual, physical, whatever, and I'm just going to ask God to right now, not fix that but I'm going to ask him to give you a real sense of who you are in him, that you are a child of God, and out of that will well up a spirit of generosity, a spirit of trust, whatever. So if you want to open your hands or whatever, that's great, but just receive from God and pray with me to him. So, Lord Jesus, God, you are the Lord. You are the king. There is no king above you. You are the king of kings, God. You are our great high priest. God, in, you, are the, you, are, you are the God who provides. Jesus, you are the God who provides, God. And I pray, Jesus, right now, for every single one of us who are listening to this, that you would give us a new rooted sense of who we are in you, that we are sons and daughters of the king, we're not just sons and daughters of anyone, but we're sons and daughters of the king. Our dad is, is, is God, is you. And, and you, in the words of, of C.S. Lewis, call us kings and queens. You take us, you take poor children, and you say, you are my kings and queens. God, and I pray that you would root us in your goodness, root us in your love, and out of the overflow of that, as Paul writes in Galatians, that the fruits of the spirit would flow goodness, peace, faithfulness, kindness, joy, the, the ability to trust you, to speak out, to declare truth to, our, to one another, to our neighbors. God, so whatever it is, Lord Jesus, that you're bringing to our mind right now, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would help us overcome, not by us trying harder, but by giving us a greater sense of who you are, Jesus, and who you have called us to be. Lord God, I thank you for the example of Abraham. I thank you for the example of Sarah. I thank you for the example of Melchizedek, Lord Jesus. But I thank you, God, that ultimately you are the greater. God, you are the greater Abraham. You're the greater Sarah. You're the greater Melchizedek, Lord Jesus. And we get to know you in our lives right now. Jesus, we pray in your great name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads, and podcasts, please visit CC Blackpool dot co